Yeah, we know that these issues are always emotional. I mean, that's sort of the nature of hate crimes is are driven by this intense emotion that the world is changing and somehow I have to push back against it. And we've seen similar spikes. The, the most obvious one was after 9-11 in 2001. We saw a dramatic spike of over 400 uh, percent in the attacks on Muslims and Arabs and people perceived to be Muslim or Arab who were neither. Uh, and we're we're certainly looking at something now in terms of the spike of Islamophobic and anti-Semitic hate crimes just in the last week. I mean, it's been really sad to see some of the some of the violence, including the death of a six year old boy in Illinois who was stabbed to death by someone who was aggrieved by what's happening on the other side of the planet. So we know that historical events can be triggered. It's not that those biases weren't there until the historic event happened, but it, there's something about a big news item that sort of pushes people uh, to the sort of tipping point to engage in more serious behavior. So we're certainly on guard right now. Uh, uh, an alert just went out from the FBI asking communities to be on guard uh, around this issue. Uh, some of some of it is targeted towards people who are just minding their own business, like this case in Illinois. And some of it happens at demonstrations where you have sort of the, the emotion, emotionally driven, you know, intensity of this uh of this middle eastern conflict that goes way back on both sides and sort of people can be you know shouting at each other at a demonstration and it spills over to violence um so we know that emotions are on high right now and a lot of folks uh, are feeling that they're a little bit more vulnerable uh, yeah. because of what happened this is a a bizarre confluence of possible eruptions in that we have seen hate crimes, anti-Semitic hate crimes, and anti-Muslim hate crimes separately at different times, you know, over the last 20 years. And now you've got this confluence where there's the possibility of both at the same time because of this uh, unique situation we're seeing. Yeah, you know, you really saw the spike in hate crimes after 9-11, and that uh, uh, targeting the Muslim communities really stayed with us. And before that, you had sort of this anti-Semitism that was bubbling under the sort of notion that the Jews have some type of global stranglehold on the world and that Israel is pulling the strings, is the center of this, you know, this vast conspiracy theory that, you know, certainly was was the thing that Hitler rose to power in the 1930s, this idea of some type of Jewish global control. And so you have both of these things sort of existing. And what's happened in the Middle East, uh, in, in Israel and Gaza this past week, has really sort of brought both of those to the forefront. I mean, we have sort of different things at different times. You know, sometimes the LGBTQ issue is in the front and and drag performers and transgender people are kind of the target. Uh, there, are, there are times when uh, you know, during the Black Lives Matter protests, for example, African-Americans were kind of the, the primary target. And so we're seeing these old hatreds uh, that have been with us for a while kind of put on, on, on the front page in the front of people's consciousness. And for some of those folks, it's an opportunity to act on those biases. What do you worry about most in this country? This doesn't seem like, you know, a, a flag waving militia sort of type of thing. Do you worry about right. just a nutty person going into a synagogue? Do you worry about something more organized? What should we be on the lookout for, you think? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's kind of all of the above. I mean, the the, the primary concern as someone who monitors the extreme uh, anti-government, extreme right-wing underground is the this language of race war. That there is this idea that there is a coming apocalypse, a coming reckoning 
sometimes they call it the Boogaloo or the Racial Holy War or the Second American Revolution or the Second American Civil War. They have all these languages for it that there is going to be a big conflict. And that conflict is geared towards ultimately purging the United States from what they would call the Jewish influence. And that this crisis in the Middle East is uh, sort of brought across the bow, uh, that uh, the U.S. support of Israel is disproportionate uh and the uh the the people who are kind of the extremists will see this as evidence that our government is beholden more towards this foreign country israel than it is its own people and this is this is the moment to act so this is you know on the extreme wing of this this broad continuum all these things that are happening there there is an anti-government underground who will use this and according to this chatter i've been looking at over the last week they're already talking about this as a pretext for uh for their civil war for their launching of something bigger and you know just to just to draw a dark parallel in uh, 1995 the oklahoma city bombing uh, by Timothy McVeigh, yeah, that was targeting the federal government, but his belief was the federal government was controlled by a global Jewish cabal, and he wanted to start a race war in America, followed by similar bombings like the Oklahoma City bombing to quote unquote save America from from this um, from this conspiracy theory that so many people have held on to, and so there is heightened alert that this incident in the Middle East will be used as a reason to move this this anti-Semitic uh, movement uh, more into the mainstream. And if you look at that chatter in the daytime, I don't know how you sleep at night. I mean, it must be yeah. some pretty out there scary stuff, huh? It is. It's oppressing. It is. Uh, it is. Yeah, it is. I don't even know how to. Yeah, I mean, it's part of my job, I guess. But there is a um, there is just a dark world under the surface of the world that we live in. And it's cloaked in things that seem very mainstream. Love of country, love of God, love of community, love of family. On the surface, it's the, these people are just patriots and they care about their country as I do. But there is this dark underbelly of that that is hyper violent and is ready to go. I was interviewing a militia member uh, in a Home Depot parking lot not too long ago, and I asked him about this. Uh, I just bumped into him, you know, my Prius next to his pickup truck. Uh, and he said, we're locked and loaded. We're ready to go. We're just waiting for the go sign. And it could be a number of things. It could be a, another COVID lockdown. It could be something to do with the presidential election of 24, it could be a number of things, but all of a sudden this is sort of landed in their lap as a reason to rally the troops against this, you know, what they believe to be foreign control of our government. And you may, you said the word pretext, all it would take would be one nefarious actor not involved in the cause, but with some other purpose or intent to set all that off, I presume. Sure. Sure. I mean, th there's all kinds of ways that this could go, including the incredible amount of disinformation that's out there. There yeah. is disinformation and malinformation and, you know, things that spread online that seem to be true to people, uh, you know, whether it's about, you know, like things like we had this Pizzagate thing where there was a belief that there was a pedophile ring being run out of D.C. that was totally not true, but brought people out to commit acts of violence. So not only are we worried about sort of something happening, but there's also this this very strange phenomenon of something not happening, but being believed to be real because it's spread across the Internet in a way that that seems like it's, you know, the sky is falling and it's time to act. Last question. 
our political environment in this country is <laughs> so overheated. Yeah. You know, one really hopes that that volume and that boiling point does not lead to something here that everybody will regret. Regret. Yeah, this is the hardest part of this is our political polarity and the, the notion that we can't even talk to each other. I know people are dreading Thanksgiving and having to sit down at the dinner table with folks that they know are diametrical diametrically opposed to each other and how quickly that can escalate to screaming and then throwing and then, you know, something far worse. So what we're really working on is finding out ways to, to better talk to each other, that there are ways of de-escalating. I mean, what we know is that people can be on opposite sides of the political spectrum, and this includes Israelis and Palestinians, and there are ways to come together, to break bread together, to have conversations, to sort of rehumanize each other and bring that temperature down. And we're kind of at a, at a crossroads where either we start bringing that temperature down or, you know, we're going to be so far apart that we'll never come back together again. So we're really in this sort of um, zone where it, we have to figure this out now before things get much hotter because they're, they're heading in a, in a very scary direction.